If you're a woman, you probably have hormonal issues. It's impossible not to have them. There's over 1,000 hormone disruptors in our food, water, air, clothes, skin care, plus natural hormonal changes our bodies go through. Perimenopause, menopause. The good news is we don't have to suffer through any of it anymore. Hormone Harmony is a formula made only with herbal ingredients that are shown to reduce hormonal symptoms in women of all ages. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called aptogens. Aptogens help the body adapt to stressors like chaotic hormonal changes, perfect for women struggling with PMS, menopause, and more. Hormone Harmony is a phenomenon with over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. A bottle is sold every 24 seconds. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code OFFCAMERA at checkout. Look, I know you know that I know that you know how busy we all get. Ollie can help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four years and up. And the new Ollie Brainy Chews support healthy brain function with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Ollie! The Libras love the therapy, okay? Love therapy, yeah. Love therapy. More than I love drinking, more than I love prescription drugs, more than I love recreational drugs. More than anything. I love therapy. Somebody gonna cue me or do I cue myself? Cue yourself. Okay. Hey everybody, it's Kelly Ripa again, back with another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. So let's turn the cameras off and get started. Today, I will be joined by renowned American fashion designer and entertainment industry icon, Isaac Mizrahi. Guys, (laughs) as you know at home, if you're listening, I am uh, flanked by my work husband and my work wife, Albert Bianchini. Jan Chalet, my long-suffering work partners of 23 <laughs> years. I love you both. How are you both? We're good. Yeah, excited for this. I know you two are I mean, the two people I know that are as excited as I am. Like the dream guest. The dream, uh, the dream <laughs> guest. You know, Isaac is such a good writer. And if you haven't read I Am a Memoir by Isaac Mizrahi, you simply... Put press pause on this podcast <laughs> and download it, order it, go pick it up. We will be here. The classic <laughs> podcast lasts forever. So we'll wait. We will wait for you. But this memoir, I'm so grateful that I didn't read this book before I wrote my book, or I never would have written my book because I'd be like, I suck. I am not a wordsmith. I have no talent. Um, what I found so interesting is how his mom looms large in every aspect of his life and how brave it is to write about your parents, particularly when they're still alive. (laughs) There's very little about my parents in my book (laughs) by my mom just basically overruling anything I sent to her. She's like, you can't write that. Get rid of that. And so, Jan, I know you and I talk about this a lot about realizing 
what we potentially have done to our own children. (laughs) I know. I mean, I read the book too. And honestly, it made me reflect on all the ways maybe I've screwed up my kids. (laughs) I mean, I know that I talked so much about weight to one of my boys and I think I probably uh, screwed him up for a, a couple of years and, and reflecting on it, I think it was probably my own issues with my own weight, you know, but I just, I made it such a priority and I know that Isaac's mom did that with him too. And hearing Isaac talk about it as an adult, it makes me think, wow, what did I do to my son? Um, but I, I just, I think it's incredible because his relationship with my, his mom it, from, from reading the book is there's so much you know, there's good, bad, and ugly in it. And I feel like that's all of our relationships with our moms. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of good, bad, and ugly, <laughs> let's pivot to Albert. I saw Isaac in concert in no. Sag Harbor. No, you did not. With a full band. And the voice, my God, I, it was shocking. Well, you can tell by the speaking voice. Oh, but his singing voice, you literally were floored. I mean, the entire night needed to be twice as long as it was. It yes. was one of those concerts that you go to thinking, how long is this going to be? And then you want it to never end. Well, I feel that way about everything he does. And (laughs) also, if you want to make a documentary and it's just missing something, put Isaac in it. (laughs) I never had a desire to play bridge. And then I watched this documentary about these bridge players that like pulled off this like perfect cheating scandal or whatever. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. All I know is Isaac Mizrahi appears and suddenly I'm Googling how to play bridge because if he's doing it, I want to learn how to do it. Should we get to it? Because I don't want to like do the whole podcast before we get him here. Agreed. Okay. So the cameras are off. I want to set the scene. Okay. I first saw Isaac Mizrahi in the Bridgehampton Commons (laughs) and we were at Williams-Sonoma. He was coming in. He was on crutches. He had a hip injury. And I held the door for him. And he said exactly the way he said it today when we were doing sound check. He said, hello, Kelly Ripa. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) He knows my name. He knows who I am. So let's just, without further ado, let's just bring him out. He's a genius. And I don't use that word glibly. He's actually, I believe, a genius. Wait a second. Kelly no, Ripa. let Kelly me get Ripa. to let me get to your intro before <laughs> oh, I all right. I'm sorry. let me get to it. He is a designer, an actor, a performer, a Broadway star, an author, a host, an Instagram chef, the Doyen of Bridge. <laughs> I could go on and on, but I'll just stop so we can bring him on and he can defend himself. Isaac Mizrahi, ladies and gentlemen, Isaac Mizrahi. Now, darling, the one thing I want to say to you is we had met, I'm sure I was on your show before we met in Bridgehampton, because I feel like we met and then I was like, oh, she'll never remember because she's the fabulous Kelly Ripa. And also she's so cute and wearing a Chanel jacket. And I'm literally in sweat clothes, like, you know, freaking out in Williams-Sonoma looking for like a spatula that I can't find or something. That is true. But you know what? I actually saw you again. It was the Upper West Side, William Sonoma, and you were there with (laughs) Liza Minnelli. (gasps) Well, that's true. That could be true. And you know what? Here's the thing. 
it always goes back to William Sonoma, right? What's I, that I, about, I, Queen? I don't know. What is that about? Apparently, People, you and I have never heard of any other one-stop shop. <laughs> no, and here's the thing. I like a few spatulas. I like some whisks. And people go, really? Do you need? And I'm like, yes, I need that many yes. wooden spoons and that yes. many graters. And I do because what if someone else is cooking with you? Or what if it's in the dishwasher? I'm with you. Nobody gets it. We are so, we are such a, we are such a bunch of like crazy I, people. But I have to say that when I read your memoir, because I have admired you in a very macro way, I've loved your designs. You just make everything for a girl like me from a small town in South Jersey where my only style icon was not like tangible, but my grandfather, when my grandmother died, started dating this woman named Louise, who was a fashion designer in New York. And so this is like, you are like the, you are me. Well, but the thing is, this is not just blowing smoke up your butt. I feel like you have a real innate sense of style and beauty. And I feel like, you know, you're not alone. There are a lot of women out there who are very intimidated by the subject of fashion, yeah. who have a lot of style and a lot of like ideas about what is beautiful, but they're kept down. They're not encouraged, you know? But what I, I don't really understand. I did not know th that you came from such a religious, conservative right. background. I had no idea. It's very anomalous because, yes, at the same time, my mother and all of the women in the community, they were dressed, darling, dressed, you know, and not in shaitals and long skirts. I mean, they were right, wearing- Right, which is what I would picture when- No, I no, no. Sephardic Jews, darling. Right. Sephardic Jews. It was glamour and hair yeah. and decolletage and short skirts and hip boots and high heels. I'm not kidding you. This was in temple. It was like major, major fur trim and furs. And I don't know what was going on. Clever like hats and sequins. I mean, it was really something. I just want to go back in time with you and have you take me to Temple well, so that you I know, can, can see. Can someone please buy my memoir and make it into a movie and then I will art direct it. Can you tell Dan Levy to please option my memoir and play me I as a young feel man? Like, I feel like this is <laughs> Ryan Murphy, Baz Luhrmann, well, what, yes, Dan well, Levy. Absolutely, got it. Once you read it, it is a it is a movie in my or mind. a series, a limited yes. series, and it's the most <laughs> glamorous comedy tragedy. It has all the elements. But what I found is that a lot of our early inspiration came from the same places. You had a puppet theater. I played with puppets. I wanted to be a ventriloquist, but I didn't know how to make anything. I had no ability to create. I didn't have that gift that you well, so obviously had. I didn't either. I mean, when I started making puppets, that's how I learned. I was so obsessed with having these creations that I had visions for that I just started making them out of stuff, you know? And it grew from just making them out of like scraps of yarn and fabric. And then I started going to like craft stores at a really young age and buying like balsa wood and, you know, carving balsa wood heads and painting heads. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy pastime. But, but you never cut off any of your fingers, which is what I would have done immediately. If you had handed me a, an exacto knife and balsa wood, I would be dead now. Well, you know, 
it's amazing that I'm not because, <laughs> I, you know, and again, in those days, you're a considerable number of years younger than me. But like in the 70s and 80s, when I was growing up, people just, they were a little bit, let's not call them negligent, but no one watched me when I was using power tools, you know, to like drill holes. They didn't care. And when it could have been that I would have drilled like right through my leg, but something, the gods were with me those days and I didn't drill through my legs, you know, but I could have, I had no control. I was like, no, I need a hole in this pipe right now. And I would just drill the damn hole in the pipe without any consideration about my fingers and my legs and my limbs, you know, but somehow I lived. But what's interesting though, is the way you describe your mother, who's like, seems very present. And yet there you were in your basement atelier, which is my favorite description of anything ever. Your basement atelier, sewing, woodworking, on your own, really left alone. Yeah, left alone. And the thing is, to this day, I feel like, you know, Kelly, I need a lot of alone time because I was kind of raised on alone time. I love my alone time. And, you know, I, I think about like the fact that I'm not a father. I think about that a lot. But I think that's a good thing because everybody's like, you know, you can have children now. I'm like, well, thanks. But I think about it and I think I want them. And then me and Arnold, my darling husband, we go, you know, let's just dodge that bullet. Let's go not do that today. <laughs> and by the way, I have a new line about straight people, which is that kids are the dogs of straight people. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, because Arnold and I, the only things we, literally, we are the happiest couple. And I mean that we are harmony and laughter and light personified, except when it comes to our dogs. And then all we do is not see eye to eye on what is right or wrong for the dog. So I can't, I can only imagine that you and Mark Consuelos are constantly well, like at each other's, you know, throats about how you're raising kids. Here's why it's better with dogs, and I'll tell you again. When you have kids, you have to be a unified front or your children will figure it out quickly and divide and conquer you. So even when I disagree with him, I agree with him in the moment, and then silently <laughs> I will say- Right, well, I know. And right. then later, when later. you're together alone and you go, hey, Mark Consuelo. But dogs, we can fight about the dogs constantly, but I can make an argument for both. It's not for no, everybody. But I, you know, I, I once had a dream about Harry, who was my first dog. And um, we had this great conversation where I was like, Harry, do you get how much I love you? Do you understand? It was like, honey, of course I get. I get every last thing that you think. And it was like this thing. I woke up drenched in tears. I was so happy. We it was the greatest dream of my life. We have dogs and our dogs are so much more gratifying. <laughs> They are so much nicer to us. They just want to be with us. They don't drop their bullshit on us or their problems. <laughs> but anyway, so let me go back. We're talking about fighting in front of the children or the dogs. Go on. Go Did on. Did your parents fight in front of you? You know, a little probably. In those days, it was just a different thing. People yeah. just didn't. They were fine about these things. It wasn't wrong to fight in front of your kids. Right. So they did a little bit. Yes. Did yours? Yes. My parents, I mean, they still do. My parents recently, after the kids left, my parents moved back in with us for a spell. Yeah. My mother had heart surgery and she's fine, but she they were living with us for three months. And it's so interesting to fall back into your childhood, only now I was in charge. 
You know, we were kind of like, you know, true middle class. We weren't upper middle class, or we were like right in the middle class, right? Right. And we lived in this apartment that was a floor through in Brooklyn. And like the doors didn't have locks. They had, you know, the eye with the thing yeah. that goes like yeah, this. Of That's the kind of lock we had. And like it was much more scary when they would go in the room and you'd hear the lock go right. like that. And then you'd hear them scream at each other. And you didn't know what the hell they were talking about. It was scarier than if they would just scream at each other in, in, the, in living the living room. Oh, that's interesting. What I found from you, from reading your book, is that you really got beaten up a bit, like emotionally. What I want to know is how you had the confidence or the self-belief or yeah. whatever it was to motivate right. you forward. I feel like the times in my life when I was bullied as a kid, I tried to vanish. I tried to make myself invisible. I found circuitous ways to walk so I wouldn't have to see the people that tormented me. Whereas you did almost the opposite. Sometimes it takes a killer to catch a killer. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series, Criminal Minds Evolution, is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally to solve a deadly mystery. As conspiracies mount, the team faces their biggest threat yet. Stream the thrilling crime drama, Criminal Minds Evolution, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside of the gym. Whether you're running, training, or even just weekend lounging, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of the new colors before they sell out. Jan and my assistant Lauren turned me on to these pants. They're cute and comfy and I get compliments on them every time I step out of the house. They become my go-to pants to put on when I'm working out, doing errands, or even just recording this here podcast. Albert, for you, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger because I know you like to jog. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash off camera. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash off camera. Are you tired of scrubbing your bathroom clean? I am. Transform your bathroom cleaning with wet and forget weekly shower cleaner. Just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, it's your once a week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who have switched to an easier clean. Get Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. But what's interesting, though, is how you had the confidence to perform puppet shows or perform impersonations of... Female impersonations. Right, yeah, female exactly. impersonations. Now, the thing is, you know, for years and years, I sublimated my actual personality to fit in to what they, my family expected of me. I bet your 
a drag race. Are you a drag race fan? Of course. And literally at least once a season or three times a season, you have one of the queens going like, I was bullied. And even just this new season, there's one of the queens who said, I was bullied by the like teachers, you know. And this is what I'm saying to you. It's like the rabbis were like bullied, you know. So it was so so it was such a ridiculous kind of a thing. And there weren't You know, there was no drag race, but I talk about this all the time. It's like when gay people met in like semi-clandestine clubs in the 1980s, like in the West Village only, it made it kind of like easier to just separate from the rest of the world. And what I admire so much about the young genderqueer and gay and all of those incredible queer people is that they are integrating Mm. into a world bravely. You know, they are just integrating into the fucking world. They just want to go to the A and P and be who they are. And that is the true brave thing to do. But also, I think it's because people like you, when it wasn't accepted, where you were dealing with, you know, the words of your father saying, oh, you know, the fairies should all be lined up and shot. At which I'm certain, having children, I am certain that your father, had he actually known that that was going on inside of you, never would have had those words come out of his mouth. Or he would he would emphasize those words because he knew he had to do something to stop me from being one of them because it was so, so frowned upon. And, you know, I never told my father that I was gay, but we went to an Orthodox yeshiva and the temple we went to was weirdly Orthodox, although the clothes were crazy, right? But it was really supposed to be Orthodox. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the thing is, if your entire life you grew up being told that you're a sinner and that you should be stoned, like in the face of that, you become very hardened towards a few things. So something builds up in your mind and you go, no, I think they're all crazy. They have to be crazy because I don't feel like, I feel like I'm just being honest here. Do your sisters approve of your marriage? You know, I'm telling you this just because I adore you and this is like off camera and off everything. They love Arnold. You know, they love Arnold. They love me. But at the same time, you know, there are a few caveats to this kind of love. Like, for instance, we have a party for my mom at a catering hall that's glatt kosher, Mm -hmm. I can invite Arnold. Or if there's a family thing at the shul even, I could invite Arnold. And it's it's weird and awful and we walk in and it's hard. But if it's at their house, we can't bring Arnold. And then my mother will say, oh, right, you can't bring Arnold. As if it's something that they just all understand. And it's like, wait a minute, everybody just understands that I can't bring Arnold. And you expect me to come? I can't come. You know what I mean? I can't be- And why can't he come into their house? Because it's- Because I think it's about the kids and what they can and can't be exposed to. And it's like- who are these two men? And if we're out in the public, it could be, I don't know, but in the house, it's like too intimate or something. I never understood how that. Many, but How many children do they have between hundreds, them? Hundreds, darling. So many, I can't even count. My sisters have like five kids each, but they have all grown up now and they all have so many kids and, you know, bless them. And my mother keeps saying, oh, they had another kid. And I'm like, hooray. You know, I can't, I can't keep track of it. And it's like, maybe that's another reason why I'm like... Yeah, maybe not kids, you know. Do you run do you wonder how many of their kids are gay? Well, you know I mean just the law of averages. Yeah, out of so many, one <laughs> or two 
have to be gay at least, right? I do wonder that. But of course, I'll never bring that up. I, I wish I could be closer to my sisters. I just can't because this religious thing is really present. And I think it's hard for me to reach out to them because they don't want me. Like they would prefer for them to just be educated in this little tiny way among their religious studies. And I think they are a little bit scared that if I, you know, reach out to them or I am exposed to them, they might find some kind of latent homosexual kind of, you know, who knows, darling. Do you think exposure to your world might awaken a sadness inside of them of what potential was there that never was explored at all because it's it, it sounds like you in your book you revere your sisters so much and they had so much potential. I know. Well, they were so smart. They were smarter than the average girl in the community at the time. Particularly one of my sisters who was like the valedictorian of her class both in grade school and in high school. And you know, she went on to New York University and she graduated and she became like this kind of art historian. And I go, oh yeah, you know, did you see the Matisse show? And she goes, yes, I did see it. And she starts talking about Matisse and it's like, wow, so you know, you know, Matisse and the models and blah, blah. And she knows the whole thing. So she can be objective about that, right? Right. But I think she's so tied up in what she feels kind of obliged to feel about religion and about raising her kids in a certain way. Uh I think that she feels too scared to kind of draw outside the lines of that coloring book in any particular way. Like if one of her kids ever, ever, ever became gay or I don't know what, she would feel like just dreadful. She would feel like it was her fault. But anyway, the best outlet is therapy. And I've used that since I am literally in first grade when they wouldn't let me back into Yeshiva Flatbush unless my mother promised to take me to therapy weekly. And it was the greatest day of the week because we, the Libras love the therapy, okay? Love, love therapy. therapy. Yeah. More than I love drinking, more than I love prescription drugs, more than I love more than recreational anything. drugs, I love therapy. Um, so Arnold, does he feel any resentment uh, about like not being able to go to your sister's house or is he more like relieved? I think he's relieved, you know, because... I don't feel any kind of pressure to be closer or further from his family. We just don't do that to each other. Right. He came with me occasionally and we would dine with my mother and we would see my sisters occasionally. And then when she turned 90, they had this party for her at this Glatt Kosher restaurant on the Upper West Side. And we went and at the end of that, finally, finally, we were in the car and he goes, darling, Uh I see why. They are insane. You are lucky that you lived through. You are lucky. They are nuts. Because, you know, he'd come after, he'd say, they're so nice. Why are you so, why is it so? Your mother, she's great. Da, 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 da. Right. And then finally, after this 90th birthday, he said, darling, I will never fight with you. They are crazy people. <laughs> and you are lucky to be alive after growing up with these people. They're nuts. You know, he finally saw, you know, the whole thing. And isn't it great that he finally yes. saw? Yes. Because sometimes, like my husband never sees. He just <laughs> is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I love having your, exactly. I love having your parents right. here. They're great. 
And I was like, you didn't, you didn't see that at dinner when my mother pushed my buttons? Exactly. Doesn't get it. Doesn't well, get it. She's 95 now, right? You're she's mother- 95. Yeah. God bless her. My God. I mean, that's really I know. Something. And you know what, Kelly? Like you said this in the intro there. I was listening and I really wanted to say this on the show, which is that one of the great blessings or something of my life is that I got a chance to like finish this book, right? And, and, and write this very, very round portrayal of this character. Yes. As I refer to her, the Madame Bovary of the Jews, basically, <laughs> right? You know, I wrote this very round portrait of her and she loved it and she thanked me, you know? Like she might've read that and gone, are you crazy? How dare you, you know? And she didn't. She was like, darling, you told the truth. Congratulations. I love you. I love this book. That's a woman who has a lot of introspection. I was explaining this to, uh, I was working out this morning and, and my trainer was asking me, who are you interviewing today? And I told her and she was very excited. And she said, oh, I wish he would design clothes, like a fashion line again. I said, yeah, but he's so talented at writing. I think he should do more like stage productions. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and we are like going back and forth. And so I guess my question is, if you could only do one thing, what is the thing that makes you the most satisfied, gratified, excited? Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. It can be frustrating to find a shampoo and conditioner combo that caters to your exact hair type. Sometimes it feels like a one-size-fits-all model. Well... With Way, you can find a combo that is perfect for your hair type. Not sure what your hair type is? Take the hair quiz to find out. I love their Detox Shampoo. It's safe for all hair types, including keratins, Brazilian blowouts, and color-treated hair. It leaves my hair feeling refreshed, and the scent Melrose Place is like a one-way ticket to the land of palm trees and superstars. And I'm a fan of their leave-in conditioner, which detangles, hydrates, and fights frizz. Whether your strands are fine, medium, or thick, Way has shampoo and conditioner that's your type. From volume and shine to deeply hydrating, Way helps you find your way to good hair every single day. Wash your way to healthier hair with shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and use code off camera for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T H E O U A I dot com code off camera. So what is the thing that makes you the most excited? You know, the answer to that is a very simple, I mean, it could go on and on and on because I love everything I do. But after I've done like a show, for instance, at Cafe Carlisle, you know, I'm not Sutton Foster. I'm not any one of those people. But the thing that brings me the most joy when I come off stage, when you come see me in a theater and I do songs and I tell stories, I just, I am so happy. I just walk on clouds. I remember when after fashion shows, 
I was in bed. I was like, I can't stand. Oh, nothing is good. And oh, look at the way they tied that bow. Who tied, who did her hair like? I was just for days. Right. I was just like, ugh, you know, I felt so toxic, full of toxin, you know. Right. But for some reason when I do, even if there are mistakes, but if it's a funny, good show, you know, and a lot of it comes just comes up, right? Like I, something occurs to me and I just talk, you know, or the song brings something out or the song is exceptionally good that night. That makes me feel like it was the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, I, I made my Broadway debut in October or November, and it was supposed to be six weeks. It ended up being three weeks because I had something that came up. Well, you know, I got tickets for my nieces and my daughter, Lola. We went to Chicago because I said, oh, my friend Isaac Mizrahi is playing Amos. We're going to go see him. And I guess you had just wrapped. I thought that you were still in Chicago. <laughs> so my daughter's like, which one is your friend? And I was like, he maybe he's oh, out. Maybe oh no, he's out sick. I, but there no, was not darling. the little, there was not a little leaflet. And usually when there's an understudy, you get the leaflet. So I guess I had just missed you. It was supposed to be six weeks. And then I had something and they came back and they were, how about three weeks in, in, in November and three weeks in April? And I was like, you know, I'm just, I just want to do this. You know, yeah. I was thought, you know. I understand. It's all right. I'll come back and see you again. You should, you should. Because it's really something and it's, and it's, and it's, no one understands no matter what you do, no matter what kind of theater you do or I don't care if you perform it like Madison Square Garden for like 8,000 people or something. There is something about the word Broadway stage. I know. You know, yep. that is just terrifying. And I want it to be fun. And I just started having fun and then it was over. So I want to go back and just like have fun. I try to explain that to uh, people that I know that are big, like they don't go to Broadway shows. They'll go to sporting events They'll go to the movies and I go, you live in New York. What do you mean you don't go to Broadway shows? You have, that's where the talent is. Yeah, exactly. That's where it is, is on the stage. Oh, and I've never performed in a Broadway show uh, ever or off Broadway, but I've once had to, um, remember when the Grinch came to Broadway? Yes, I do. They asked me to do the reading. Right. And the, you know, the opening night reading. <sighs> right. Opening night. Right. I, you would have thought I was headlining. Like I was trembling. I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't eat. I lost weight. Me too. And then I came out with my cotton mouth, my dry cotton mouth, and I started to read from the Grinch Who Stole Christmas with my dry cotton with mouth. With your dry stuck, mouth. And my lips stuck to my tooth because I was so <laughs> It was like a nightmare. It was really a nightmare. And then I said, I will never, ever. Because for years, I've been asked to do different Broadway shows. We've got a small role in this. Why don't you do this? Mm -hmm. This doesn't require any singing because I have a terrible singing voice. But I'm a really good dancer. I believe but, it. you know, got a small role in this or that. And I go, no, no. And listen... I'm telling you, I have directed operas in festivals in, around the world. I have appeared in very large venues with my band in front of, I don't know, 1,400 people or something. The whole time on stage, there is nothing. And this is a small role. It's really one number and some scenes. There is something so absolutely exhausting. Well, first of all, there is, it's three flights up to your dressing room right. backstage. Right. 
Yeah. So the stairs don't help, you know. I, I, I live in a townhouse. I am constantly right. walking upstairs and thinking- You don't have a doorman? How do you live with that? Are you crazy? Don't ask. It sounded like a good idea at the time. <laughs> and now it's too late. It's too late. Okay. Before we close out, I just want to end on our horoscope reading <laughs> because I know you start- with the New York Post horoscope, right? Yes, I do. Me too. At three o'clock in the morning. Me I too. Go. Same. Same. Yes. Same. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready? Yeah. Because this is a good one. I know it already. I know it. I know, but it's really good for you. Tell me. I know it's good for you. It's good for you. It's good you, for me darling. too, but it's, it's especially good for, good for you. Creative activities are under excellent stars at the moment. Yes. So if there is anything of an artistic nature that takes your fancy, just dive in. And make it happen. I have been reading this all day. You possess a great deal more talent than you are inclined to give yourself credit for. Well, wait a minute. And by the way, Libra, look within, darling. Look within. Yes. I cannot thank you enough. Um, This was a pleasure. You know, there are people in the world, I said this to Jan and to Albert, there are people in the world that when you meet them, you know how they say, never meet your idols. But- you are one of the people that I, every time I meet you, I just want to spend more and more time with you. I adore you. I want you to teach me bridge. I want to do it all. Do you play Mahjong? No, no, no. Okay. No. Well, Ryan Seacrest for last Christmas brought me a Mahjong kit. Darling, when you play bridge, you are ruined for every other game. I'm just telling you that. Really. Like even chess. It's like, yeah, chess. I want to be ruined. Bridge, bridge, darling. Bridge, 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 bridge. Thank you. All right. Okay, so. I mean. I mean. Guys. I want to do a part two with him. Bring him back. Let's do a nine-part series. (laughs) Let's call it the Isaac Mizrahi podcast. Yep. Featuring Kelly Ripa as a blathering fan. (laughs) I mean, next time he's got a dish on every celebrity he's ever worked with because he's worked with everyone. Everybody. I feel like, look, I got to... I mean, I barely a page. The first two questions, and that was it. I got to two questions on our question sheet. But my jaw dropped when he was talking about not yes. being able to go into oh. the sister's house. Like, that's insane to me. And yet, aren't there times where you wish you oh. had that forbidden thing? Are you kidding? We forbid Kelly from coming in here. I'd be like, done. <laughs> Did you guys put a filter on me, by the way? Is this a filtered computer? I don't know. Let me look. I love that you got dressed up and put makeup on for this interview when you're not on camera. <laughs> I wanted him to think I looked pretty. <laughs> Isaac, I really did. He's a legend. You know, it's so smart what he was saying. And I never, th- I thought about it once he said it, because I'm such an idiot, which we all know I am. But when I said to him, it had to be so hard being a gay kid yeah. stuck in this conservative religion, yep. religious environment and and forging ahead and escaping and finding his way. Like we didn't even get to talk to about his, the fame school. He went to the fame school. Part we didn't two. talk about it. He's in the movie. Part thing. two. I, I mean, and we didn't talk about him squeezing into his tights under the stairwell. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. His there's recipes. So, his recipes. <laughs> part two. His so herb part garden. Two, part two. Oh, we're doing part two next week. We should lock that in before lock he gets too in. far away. Anyway. Listen, we are a new show out there at a sea of podcasts, so don't forget to tell your friends. Let's Talk Off Camera is available every week on Stitcher, the SXM app, and all major podcast listening platforms. Can't wait to talk to you all off camera next week. 
Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Nick Ribola. From PRX Productions, our team is Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolski, Edwin Ochoa, Rye Dorsey. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.